Welcome to Weedman Business Insights. This is a new podcast series bringing you practical, actionable business practices that have resulted in business success throughout the Weedman system. These podcasts will endeavor to bring the networking we all love so much to you on a more frequent basis. I'm Cindy Code, and today it's my pleasure to be here with Terry Kurth, a sub-franchiser for Weedman USA, as well as a franchise owner in Madison, Milwaukee, and Fox Valley, Wisconsin, Rockford, Illinois, and Northwest Chicago. Before becoming a lawn care business owner, Terry was also a golf course superintendent. Welcome, Terry. Well, thanks, Cindy. And we also have Pat Jones with us today. He is publisher of Golf Course Industry Magazine and a longtime golf industry reporter, speaker, and proponent. Welcome, Pat. Thank you, Cindy. It's great to be here. So today, the three of us are going to discuss not only careers in turf grass, including lawn care, but also specifically the natural fit or synergy between golf course superintendents and lawn care business owners. So to get us started, uh, the last few years have brought significant changes to the golf course industry. Pat, why don't you get us started? Let's have a brief conversation about the current state of the golf course industry. Well, uh, I, I wish it was better than it was, but I'm glad it's not worse than it is. Um, we, we've seen, I think, a real uh, settling in the golf market. We've been hopelessly overbuilt for a number of years, and we're gradually getting uh, supply adjusted to demand. About 100, We have about 150 uh, net courses per year that are closing. We're still opening a few, but the growth that you saw, the crazy growth in the 90s and uh, through the early 2000s has obviously stopped. Uh, but what we're really seeing is the, the courses that are focused and business-like are doing pretty well. Uh, there, there are a lot of uh, facilities that have really taken the bull by the horns in terms of marketing, membership development, uh, expanding their, their offerings to include more leagues and evening play and family activities. So golf is in the process of reinventing itself, at least among the eight or 9,000 well-operated, well-maintained courses that are out there. And then you see, you know, about that many again, six or 7,000 mom-and-pop courses that are really struggling. Uh, and, and in many cases, uh, they may not have much debt, but they're, they're really struggling to, uh, to keep the cash flow going. So just like, just like the business that Weedman is in, this is all about generating revenue. It's all about cash flow and maintaining some profitability and being smarter than the rest of the guys. So overall, I would say, I would say that, that golf is beginning to tick upwards, and we're seeing some development and, and growth, but we still have some challenges ahead of us. Thanks, Pat. Terry, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Well, in terms as being an ex-superintendent and somebody that knows a number of superintendents yet, in fact, I'm still a member of the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America, there are a number of guys, especially middle-aged or whatever, that are kind of constantly looking over their shoulders because of what Pat just mentioned with the financial difficulties on the golf courses. There are a number of older guys that they can claim that, oh, the conditions weren't right or whatever, so they fire the guy making six figures and then hire the assistant or bring in somebody else at 50 to 60 grand, and the course saves a, a quick forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. So it's changed dramatically, I think, uh, in terms of the uh, stability, I guess, vocationally for those uh, either coming in or currently in the business of being a golf course superintendent. So it seems fairly obvious, but are there specifics that, you know, keep superintendents up at night? The, the weather, I think, is pretty, you know, the weather is what it is, but what other specific items or issues keep superintendents up at night? Terry? 
obviously one of the biggest issues is is the weather and specifically humidities, fungal problems. There are diseases that can take greens out overnight, like pythium and things. So it's those are there. But the other thing, too, is just the politics involved in dealing with the Greens Committee. One of our current franchise owners, Brandon Burns, he was getting calls from his green chairman, Greens chairman on Sunday afternoons. It seemed like there was never a quote-unquote off time, family time. And after a while, that just grinds on you. And so it's, I guess what I'm saying, in the past, there's always been some of the political implications dealing with the Greens Committee and all that, but it's gotten worse. There's that constant stress level, I guess. And Pat, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, Terry hit it on the head. And, and we're also coming out of, of a really awful winter. And, and for a lawn care professional, that's an opportunity. For a superintendent, it's nothing but a problem. Um, there, we're seeing massive winter kill, ice damage. Uh, a lot of people are really going to be challenged to get their courses where they want them to be and have a membership that's willing to sort of forgive and forget. So it's going to be a stressful and challenging time for superintendents no matter what. And, you you know, add to that, they just lost – the facilities just lost a lot of revenue because they haven't been able to to, to put rounds in and, 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 and get the cash register ringing this spring yet. So, uh, you know, every course, particularly northern courses, daily fees, they rely on good, sunny, warm weekends in the spring. And so far we haven't had any. So, yeah, it, it's a pretty stressful time to be a superintendent. So, Pat, how are superintendents and assistant superintendents reacting and dealing with the current shift in courses and related openings or lack thereof? Well, I, I think I think this is why this is an interesting conversation because we're seeing a couple of things happening. We, we've seen, you know, as the the economy has has slowed, as the uh, number of courses begins to be reduced, more and more superintendents are unemployed. When a job opens up uh, for for a good superintendent job, there might be three or four hundred applications in some cases. It's crazy, and, and the the people who lose out are not just those fifty something superintendents that Terry referred to. It's also the up-and-coming assistant superintendents who are, you know, previously would have spent three or four years as an assistant, moved into a small course as the superintendent, and then moved up the ladder because those opportunities existed. Those don't exist anymore. The, the assistants are largely stuck, and these are highly qualified turf professionals who have a college degree. They've been in that position seven, eight, ten years. Uh, they're fully capable of being a superintendent, but the jobs just aren't there for them. So that's happening. And the other thing we're seeing, which seems counterintuitive, is that the, the turf schools have really been challenged. The enrollments are way down. The funding is way down. The research grants are way down. So there's this uh, perception among students, and, and I think it had been true, that there aren't job opportunities for, for people wanting to come into the golf business. Now we're hearing from some of the major metropolitan areas, particularly, that they can't hire young assistant superintendents. So that, that pipeline being squeezed shut for turf students is now resulting in kind of this, this gap that when they do have assistant superintendents position, uh, positions open, they can't find good young people who are willing to come in and work for that $35,000 a year, 70 hours a week, because there's, they know there's no payoff at the end. So it seems odd, but we've got this 
you know, dual situation where assistant superintendents are stuck and they're looking for other opportunities. I get a lot of phone calls from from young people saying, "Hey, what are some of my career options like, you know, uh, lawn care or like sports field maintenance?" And then you've got this this other problem where the the, the pipeline is empty for new people coming in. So it, it's a very weird time in, in in terms of careers for superintendents. Cindy, just to add to what Pat said, um, I can give you an example of an individual that was at Blackhawk Country Club in Madison, just like Pat mentioned. I'll bet he was there six, seven years. Awesome guy. I think he's got a master's degree. Could not move up. So now he finally he left the industry, that specific industry, stayed in the green industry, but now he is working for the Bruce Company, a, a large regional uh, landscape uh, design build maintenance firm in the Madison area. So there, there is a lot of that going. We've got a guy now that started with us that's got a Ph.D. in turf management, and he's heading up our operations end of things. Mm-hmm. So it has created some – I think what's finally happened is it used to be, and I think Pat would agree, when you came through turf management and it was like blinders on, the hosan in the highest was to immediately become a golf course superintendent. And now I think the individuals are seeing there's a wider world out there as well as the profs from a placement standpoint mm-hmm. are seeing that there are other uh, options out there uh, for those kids that still want to stay in the green industry in general and the, and the turf-related field in particular. So, Terry, you, you kind of alluded to it, but how can these folks that thought they might be a golf course superintendent or you know, even if they are a superintendent or assistant superintendent – how can they use their agronomic education and training to prepare them for careers, turf grass, outside of the golf industry? Well, I think there are many of us that have what we, we call like a manager trainee program. So someone may have been an assistant superintendent or some may, somebody may have come right out of uh, school. We had uh, our manager now in the Chicago branch. He's got a master's from Madison. And when he got out, he came with us immediately out of college and we put him through our manager trainee type of, of period and then moved him along with another guy, and we opened up Chicago, and they're doing extremely well. And, in fact, we've partnered with him. Our holding company has the majority interest of that particular branch, but Shane actually has some ownership, so he had to put skin in the game. But what a great opportunity for a guy who's only in his uh, early to mid-20s to uh, come in and begin building a business that he's not only going to create cash flow, but he's going to have, uh, he's creating himself a significant asset over time. Pat, do you have other examples to share? Oh, yeah. I I really think this is a great time to be to be building relationships with some of these these assistant superintendents who are who are kind of stuck, um, and to try to determine which ones have that entrepreneurial sense, that that business skill, customer service skills. Um, not all of them do. You know, I, I think that historically a lot of people kind of got into the the golf superintendent business because they liked sort of uh, the the not isolation, but that that ability just to kind of work on your own, and, and they weren't particularly uh, you know, front office sort of people. Now I think you're seeing a generation that, that have those skills. Uh, communications is emphasized very heavily now with social media and, and 
just an understanding of, of the business side of clubs and how they work. So I, I, I really think it's a terrific time to, to, to get to know some of those young people and, and to see if they're a good fit. Uh, you know, I was sitting here thinking that uh, yeah, it, it's too bad that we don't have more robust uh, turf meetings out there these days where chap, you know, superintendent chapters and local lawn prof- professionals get together because you, you can begin to meet some of those people. But one point of commonality, and I, and I think is an opportunity for people listening here, if they're interested in reaching out to some of these young people, would be local distributors, would be would be local uh, uh, turf salespeople to say, hey, you know, which which young up and coming uh, assistants do you think have that good business sense, that have those good communication skills and might be a fit for one of our operations uh, as a manager or a manager in, in training. So, you know, I think there are some ways to, to, to look into the golf market to, to try to cherry pick some of those, those best and brightest young people who may be frustrated and kind of stuck as an assistant superintendent. So, Terry, really beyond the agronomics, you know, which is, is what they studied for, you know, when they went to school, Beyond those skills, I mean, superintendents really have um, acquired business skills as well with, you know, the economic times that we've experienced over the last, you know, three, four years. So knowing this, can superintendents, is it, um, can they make the leap to business owner? Absolutely. We've shown it. I mean, I did it a number of years ago. Uh, the fellow I mentioned, uh, Brandon Burns in Chicago, is starting his seventh year. He's done an awesome job uh, down there. Here's the here's the here's the reasonings I think is that one they're used to putting in a, lo- in a number of long hours, especially in the spring of the year. Beauty of our industry is we're not working on Sundays and things. So as many as many hours as we put in, it's not as many generally as many as, as so many of the superintendents do. The they are used to working with budgets. They understand business plans and budgets, so that's important. They're used to working generally with a with a younger workforce. So there's a parallel there for them. I think most of them are pretty pretty motivated. They love the outdoors. So they've got that. It's just if if I was a superintendent now and I was a little afraid to maybe make the leap to quit my job and say hypothetically go into lawn care or something, what I'd be doing is I'd be looking at who's been one of my good employees that is outgoing, like Pat mentioned, has the communication skills and things, so that I keep my job, current job, for a while, but I'm hedging my bet. So what I'm going to do is go and try to get one of these assistants, their ex-assistants, have them come in and invest some money into, say, lawn care, and then I would invest some during the early spring before I get extremely busy. I can help in sales and things. I'll still be able to help in the weekend and kind of keep my finger on the pulse and everything. And I build it until it's large enough that I can transfer, resign, and go into that business. Or if it's going well and the guy's running it well, I stay where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm building on, on a uh, concurrent uh, level here. I'm, I'm building another uh, asset for myself and my family. And heaven forbid, if I get downsized out, either through, you know, course goes belly up or they would fire me or something, now I've got an area that I can slide into and take over in the business. In today's world, I think it's all about plan B besides plan A. And I think superintendents are absolutely positioned well to be able to hedge their bets by maybe looking into the uh, lawn care end of things. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Terry. You know, it's it's 
it's not for all of them, but some of them have that right mindset. And, and I also agree about those business schools. I, I've always I've said for years that if I ever won the lottery, I would hire a golf course superintendent to take care of my money because they're very good at taking care of other people's money. So they're they're, they're conscientious. Um, I, I think they're they're careful in how they're careful in their approach to things. Um, and so there's there's a marketing opportunity here as well to 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 put them out there as kind of the stars of the team, whether they're the owner or or, or part of uh, of one of Weedman's franchises teams. So there, there's a lot of opportunity here, I think, to to reach out to the right people and bring them in either as owners or partners or as part of your agronomic team. And from a recurring revenue perspective, time and time again, the lawn care industry has shown that uh, that this service is something that's, that's needed by homeowners and commercial property managers. So just before we go, uh, Terry or Pat, do you have any other last-minute or uh, final advice for superintendents or assistants who might be looking for other career opportunities? Well, I would just chime in, just kind of touching base on what you just mentioned with the recurring revenue. I guess my business philosophy is pretty simple. You never get into a business without an exit strategy, and the beauty of the exit strategy within lawn care is that it's kind of a numbers game. It takes you a while to hit critical mass, to get enough customers where the cash flow is coming. But even while you're going through that period of of basic growth, every customer you bring in is an asset another company would be willing to pay you for that because of that recurring revenue. They know in a good company, 70 to 80% of those customers are going to stay with you year after year. So you've got that. In the meantime, it's not just the cash flow again. It's, the, it's that asset building. And so if you've got a million-dollar lawn care company in a good history of retention, et cetera, and cash flows, you're not the low baller out there, I mean, you're probably going to get that, that is probably worth 800000 to a million dollars. There's not very many companies that can, or industries that can make that claim. It's, there's just a chance for the right person to have phenomenal growth and, again, get cash flow, plus have a great exit strategy as you sell it either to the next generation or to somebody else. And it, it beats the heck out of uh, waiting for a matching 401k working for somebody else. Yeah, if they have one at all, Terry, you're exactly right. It, it, it's a great opportunity, and, and and I think you've got, you know, a, a real pool of committed, experienced people that, you know, the the agronomics and the turf part of it, they really thoroughly understand. But they're also good business people, and and it's just a cha- you know, it's a, it's a, it's the challenge and the opportunity is finding them reaching out to them with the story and helping them understand how this could be the next chapter of their life beyond the golf course. And and I think that you have a chance to really open their eyes to what a cool thing this can be and how rewarding it can be uh, both, you know, uh, financially, but also uh, in terms of accomplishment of building that business and and, and seeing it grow and then potentially someday uh, selling it and and having uh, that kind of stability in your golden years or or whatever you want to call it. I'm beginning to look at my golden years, so I'm starting to think about that now, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, maybe I should get a weed man franchise because uh, I don't really have much of an exit strategy. Terry's got me a little worried here, so I'm thinking about it, and, and I think uh, uh, via golf course industry, we'll continue to, to make superintendents aware that there's more out there than just retiring with your gold watch and uh, watching somebody else maintain your old golf course. Okay, thank you, Terry and Pat. A wonderful conversation and terrific insight. We appreciate that. So thanks for joining us today for our Weedman Business Insights, and have a great day.